BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. <laughs> it's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Yeah. Boom, we can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel, you're hanging out with Fernando. Hello, Ben. And Travis Irvine. Hey there, Corn Pop. Thank you all so much for listening. <laughs> Hope you're doing well out there. We have another fantastic episode for you. We'll have some updates on what's going on with Ron DeSantis. Donald Trump is getting quite upset with him. Also, domestic terrorism. No power grid is safe. And we'll discuss what's going on in california but first let's get to the state of the union and everything surrounding it including china China. of course we had the balloon shot down last Mm -hmm. week Uh, joe biden did make a point of referencing it somewhat when he says we're going to stand up to china i want to play a little bit of sound rare sound from ben kissel in this program from brigadier general (laughs) pat Ryder discussing why the chinese balloon was indeed a snooping effort and Fernando has a little bit more insight to prove, indeed, that this was not just a rogue weather balloon gone crazy, but in fact, a balloon trying to surveil some of our more unique individuals in this country. Mm. <laughs> Putting it lightly to say that. I love them. <laughs> so let's play this sound. Fernando can explain a little bit behind it, and then we'll hop right into more State of the Union, which got a whopping 72% approval according to a recent poll. So let's, let's play this out. I can assure you this was not for civilian purposes. That, that is, we are 100% clear about that. Based on what we know and have observed about this balloon, it is a surveillance balloon. It was an intelligence collection capability. Um, you know, a question I would ask myself is, if in fact it was a civilian balloon, a weather balloon, and it was approaching a sovereign nation about to enter their airspace, a responsible nation would have put out some kind of public statement saying, hey, heads up, this is heading your way. We just want to let you know. The PRC did not do that. They didn't respond until after they were called out. There's a balloon heading your way. Mm -hmm. But there's no boy attached to it who can forget the infamous balloon boy. Oh, that was a scam. Ah. That was a scam. However, this is very real. So Fernando What's going on with this weather balloon? Evidently, uh, uh, there's some accord. Yes. There's a weather balloon. They've been talking about this. There's a weather balloon accord. Yes. And this, and this big-ass balloon, it did not follow accordingly. Ooh. So there's been balloons before, and balloons have been something we've been using for a long time as a society, especially for war. Ooh, so there's, yeah. you know, there's some accords that have been set in place. Specifically, uh, there's this International Civil 
aviation organization. Okay. And they were developed so that we could establish situations where should we shoot down the balloon or should we not shoot the balloon mm. as a worldwide agreement. Mm. So there's a few things mm. that specifically the reason this balloon got shot down versus got left alone. First of all, it was too big. The convention states that in order for a balloon to be left alone and to be considered uh, just a civil weather project, it has to be under a payload of four kilograms. Okay. This thing was bigger than three school buses. Woo. It was way bigger than four kilograms. Whoa. All right. And then the, the most important thing was what the gentleman just said. There was no communication on China's behalf. Basically, the convention states that there should be reasonable measures taken by the country so that the balloon doesn't go into other countries' airspace. Right. Obviously, China failed to complete yep. due diligence because not only did it fly into America's uh, airspace, it, there was one in South America. And they snuck it in over Canada, too. Exactly. Because that's how it got into Montana first. And that's when everyone and first if, saw it. If here you're in China, all you got to do, this was so simple to uh, to avoid any conflict whatsoever. You got to put two words on that balloon. Happy birthday. <laughs> you got a happy birthday balloon floating over the United States. You know what then China gets? Well, thank you. Mm -hmm. oh. Because it's somebody's birthday every day. Wow. They did not do that. They did not appease the U.S. government or, or foreign governments whatsoever. And that is why the Joe Biden administration rightfully shut it down. Exactly. You know, and that's why I dove into this, because I, I didn't want to. After listening to what I said, especially last week, I was like, I don't want to sound like a war hawk. Right. But there is rules in place. And yeah, we have to, right. you know, as a country, I'm still an American. I bleed red, white, and blue. Oh, you know? right. So, I mean, and I'm just happy that all of those people, they got to throw their beer cans at it. <laughs> right, right. I didn't like when I the got my rifle. got your rifle. And I didn't like when the politicians were like, I'm shooting at it. They were on Twitter being like, right. with their little guns, so, being like, I'm shooting pew, at the balloon. Pew, 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 pew. But it's adorable for a farmer to do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Because yeah, yeah. if you're a dad with his family, be like, Family, get out here. It's right. happening. And then you shoot a bunch <laughs> of pellets into the air. And with oh, any luck, boy. you shoot Dick Cheney's friend who just died oh, at 95 years old once again. So going back to the State of the Union, that was an applause line that Joe Biden got when he said he was going to stand up to China. 72% mm -hmm. of people approved of this speech. That's according to a CNN poll conducted by SSRS. 34% um, reacted very positively. So mm. let's just discuss this from a theatrical perspective right. first, and then we can get into some policy a little bit later on. How do you guys think Joe did? It was a raucous crowd, to mm -hmm. say the least. Right. Marjorie Taylor Greene getting her name in print. Uh, for better or for worse, I guess she sees this as a as a victory. Right. But my God, Kevin McCarthy, he certainly doesn't have his caucus in line. <laughs> and you could tell he was getting frustrated at points. It makes what Joe right. Walsh, when Joe Walsh yelled, you lie. Right. At Obama. A, at Obama. 2013. It makes it seem almost quaint and pleasant. <laughs> yeah, but in 2013, truly. we're like, now this is as crazy as it's ever going to get. Right, right. And now it appears as if the State of the Union is not just a presentation, but also a speakback event. Yes, very much. I mean, to your point, MTG pretty much can raise money off of this. Then right. she can go on your OANs, your Steve Bannon's war rooms, Ugh. you know, places that aren't Fox News, and basically say, I stood up for my constituents. I stood up for conservatives. I, I yelled at Joe Biden, but I don't recall. Hmm. Now, the interesting thing is when she was lying or screaming at <laughs> Joe Biden for lying, right. there were certain moments that it seemed to flip. 
One of those moments was when Joe Biden brought up Medicare and Medicaid. Yeah. Obviously something that's been on the chopping block amongst conservative thinkers for a long time. Yes. But for some reason, as soon as Joe Biden mentioned how, in this case, the conservative Republicans want to cut Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, they seem to be upset by his assertion. But then they campaign on doing exactly that. So I think there's a little bit of strange, like maybe when they heard it, they're like, wait a second, that doesn't sound good. Never mind. But they say it regularly. Right. The the folks that over at Midas Touch on Twitter called out Mike Lee for that because Mike Lee specifically, they got a shot. I love C-SPAN and their camera people so much. They got a <laughs> shot at Mike Lee and he was like, what? No, we've never said that. And then obviously Midas Touch mm-hmm. uh, posted a clip where Mike Lee was quoted as saying exactly <laughs> that. So that's where it was. It was. And we kind of talked about it before the show, but I think especially given the expectations, this was a very good speech for Joe Biden. Oh, yeah. He didn't you know, get all old and sleepy, slurry Joe on us. And even when he did, it kind of worked. He almost Mm -hmm. Mr. Magoo'd his way through this entire thing. (laughs) And he kind of owned, it's almost like comedian owns heckler, president owns hecklers. Right. And he kind of stumbled his way into owning them because he got, to your point, Ben, both sides, there's two sides of the Republican caucus right now. Mm-hmm. We know this from the Kevin uh, McCarthy speaker race itself, 15, 16 rounds of voting. Lauren Boebert, by the way, saying that she thought God put her in the way to stop Kevin McCarthy. But I guess God <laughs> failed. Yeah, he sure did. <laughs> Kevin McCarthy was sitting right there yeah. behind and Uncle keep Joe. keep in mind, it's only 500 extra Colorado voters that gave Boebert her seat again. So right. let's, uh, easy on the God, ma'am. But again, uh what Joe did was he divided the Republicans to basically say, hey, some of you all are saying cut Social Security, cut Medicaid, cut right. Medicare. And then all of a sudden you almost had the Republicans booing themselves. Mm-hmm. So you got some yelling, and then you got Democrats booing the Republicans who want to cut that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then so it's like a two minute actual like cycle of a, a crowd work. Yes. Where Joe Biden and- eventually turns everyone into unanimously standing and say, OK, so we're not cutting Social Security and Medicaid and Medicare. And then everyone's like. And again, if you're Republicans, your constituency ain't getting any younger. So I'm surprised that this is even on the chopping block at all. Of course, they also cater to slightly the wealthier people, perhaps. But let's be honest, both parties do do that. Right. And it's, you know, it's again, it's about talking points. Mike Lee is a perfect example. He goes in front of a Tea Party crowd. He wants to get his cut Social Security, cut Medicaid talking points out there. But again, another uh, moment, including the China moment that Biden got everyone to stand with him, was after this Social Security and Medicaid protecting these elements. He also said, "Can we all say? Can we all stand up for seniors? Can we do that?" And then <laughs> right. everyone was like, "Yeah, of course." So we can absolutely. Uh, Joe Biden, to your point, avoided a lot of senior moments, and uh, by a presentation standpoint, did a fine job. Again, given his less than. Obama style when it comes to rhetoric. He's, He's not exactly He's known for being old. super charming, but to your point, or super articulate rather, right. perhaps charming maybe to some, but certainly not articulate. So this is what Mike Lee had to say in 2010 when he initially ran. This is a quote. He says, it will be my objective to phase out Social Security, to mm. pull it up by the roots Boom. and get rid of it. He added, there's going to be growing pains associated with doing this. We can't do it all at once. Ironically enough, that was 13 years ago. And he certainly hasn't made true on that promise, thankfully, because, of course, a lot of people, millions of individuals uh, rely on SSI. He goes on to say in an October interview with the Daily Herald, 
I don't recall ever having to advocate it um, for dismantling those. Um, that's sensitive stuff. I think we ought to look to, um, after we get it solvent, look to the ideas of allowing people, if they want to, uh, to at least identify some portion of their Social Security payments mm. to go into a private account. Oh, my God. So he went from tearing Social Security out from the mm. roots like he's playing Super Mario Brothers 3 and he's trying to get a radish <laughs> to say, no, 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 no. I'm just saying maybe people could allocate some of those Social Security funds to private accounts. Right. Wow. Talk about a uh, change of position. Dare I say, a flip-a-flop. Oh, it's a flip-flop. It's a flip-flop. You can put that on a flip-flop. I mean, Ron Johnson, another person, the uh, guy out of Wisconsin, uh, this is what he had to say. He says, I've been saying this for a long time. I've been saying out here that we need to transfer everything, put everything on a budget so we can consider it every year. I've said that consistently. It's nothing new. So basically, they want to use Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid as a bargaining chip mm. for every single election cycle, yes. which would destabilize millions of Americans' income. Absolutely. And of course, Ron Johnson, senator from Russia, of course he <laughs> wants to destabilize this nation. In Russia, Medicare pay you. Oh, <laughs> wait, nice. what? Wait, I kind of like that. Actually, oh, I think fine. that's the way it is because yeah, they do have universal health care. So. Well, and also, I mean, Mike Lee, ugh, I mean, the excuses. I remember during George W. Bush's term, right, they were talking about having people, instead of putting your money into Social Security, you could put it into private uh, accounts, right? Private investment accounts. That was an idea floated during the George W. Bush administration. But all of this goes back to in the 90s when it was Republicans in Congress and Clinton as president when they actually voted to take money out of Social Security and add it to the overall federal budget. Social Security, and Bernie Sanders has made this point many times, is solvent. It would be more than solvent if, uh, if the federal government didn't start tapping into those social security funds to pay for other things. That was a thing that happened in the 90s. That's how they managed to balance the budget back mm. then. So this idea that the program isn't solvent, it's like it was solvent until it got right. raided by a bipartisan coalition in the 90s. Right. And now, um, as Bernie Sanders has also pointed out, social security is on track mm. to run out of money. Right. Mm. But that's because other areas in the government are taking all the money out of there. And of course, all in the backdrop of nearly a trillion dollar military budget, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, to me, I understand why you got that 73% approval. One of the biggest issues that I hear from my Republican buddies is Joe's ability to do public speaking. Right. Joe's ability to, to just be a performer and sure. to be a president. This last night, he no stuttering. He held through the whole time. Right. Even when they were heckling him, he held through those heckles. Yeah. Finished his point, And then later, like a person paying attention to the audience, kind of turned it back on them. Right. And that, that's what we were talking about before the show, too. I don't even know if he did it on purpose. Mm-hmm. But it's just that it's that comedian natural ability to own a heckler. He was kind of letting them boo. And then when they were yelling border at him, he's like, yeah, I'm getting to it. And then he said. And that includes cracking down fentanyl coming over the border. And then it's like, okay, now they have to clap. Uh, Another point, when they started booing him, he said, that's fine. I'm okay with conversion. And I think he meant to say, I'm fine with conversation. But then the conversion worked because he then converted them from booing into clapping. So, Hmm. again, it's Mr. Magoo or perhaps Chauncey Gardner, the Peter Sellers character from the classic movie being there. Either way, I think he got through this thing looking very well. I actually had more confidence in him and his reelection coming out of this thing than I did going into it. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. 
It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Now, half of the American people say that they're worse off now than they were previously. Did he do enough to discuss what's going on with the grocery stores? What's going on with gas prices? Do you think he did enough to hit the middle class of this country who are really struggling right now to make ends meet? I mean, fuck, we don't have a middle class at this point. Well, sure. Well, it's dwindling. That is for yes. sure. And it's mm-hmm. on its way out for decades. Um, I thought he connected on those two issues in, in two ways. Number one, he referenced multiple families who can't afford things and bringing up points again for bipartisan applause breaks. By the way, Kirsten Cinema, Joe Manchin, Mitt Romney were all sitting in the same row. They would stand up a lot of the times when like neither side would Democrats sure. or Republicans. So uh, I think Joe tried to relate on those kitchen table issues yeah. and he referenced his own childhood. You know, he talked about growing up in households like the one I grew up in. Talking about his own middle class background and how we need to reinvigorate the middle class. And then the second thing I'd say on the economy, inflation is not a word that came up, but jobs. Yes, because in two years and this is an actual fact, he's created more jobs than any president has in his first two years of office than some presidents have in four years in office. Well, I guess the question, the first point, I think that's a fantastic point that you make about him being able to reference his own life. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's been powerful for a very for long 50 time. years, And yeah. he's been wealthy for quite a long time as well. But one area where I argued on Fox News many years ago about connecting with the working class people, I was surprised Donald Trump was able to do it so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps he didn't connect with the uh, biography, but he connected with some of the more Cultural aspects, cultural aspects, a little bit more perhaps superficial aspects. But Joe being able to do that could resonate with people. And that was one of the points that I did make where he does come from working class roots. Now, my question when it comes to the latter point, which is, do you think that he was able to uh, when discussing uh, the economy, not bringing up things like inflation? Mm -hmm. Do you feel like people might see that as a lie by omission because the jobs report? What kind of jobs are they? Are they middle? Are they are you making a good wage? Because we also know with like what now Zoom is is yeah. uh, firing thirteen hundred people. You're right. Tech is firing thousands of people while they raise profits. Well, they raise profits. Do you think that that is going to resonate with the Americans when it comes to what kind of job they're getting? Sure. I mean, again, lie by omission, obviously. I think some speechwriters like don't say the word inflation. Don't in mention your inflation, sure, but because you know people just Google like Joe Biden's so too inflation, and they're like mm-hmm. ah nothing, right? But unemployment is at an all time low. It's at fifty four year all time exactly, low right at 3. now, 3.4, yes. 50 year low exactly. So which um, again, he didn't mention what kind of jobs were created, but that stat in and of itself is pretty huge, especially if you're a economically thinking conservative, maybe an independent, maybe a moderate, and then he references specific examples of what kind of legislation they got done, the CHIPS Act, right? Building places like Intel back outside of Columbus, Ohio, mm-hmm. that's going to create jobs that are $100,000 on average or or more. Um, creating jobs like that, 
bipartisan infrastructure he talked about. Mm -hmm. He did try to like unite everyone. Like here's what happens when we work together. Uh, He thanked his friend, Mitch McConnell. He was kind of just like riffing up top of the front of it. (laughs) And so I think those, uh, those messaging, you think those are going to stick? I think those will stick again. I mean, and the approval ratings on the speech itself uh, shows that. And then, you know, also tapping in a little bit of heartstrings. He had the parents of Tyree Nichols were there. He had Paul Pelosi was there and like kind of ended it on like, you know, this guy was a victim of political violence. And here he is. I did notice. I was like, who's that guy wearing a hat? And I was like, oh, that guy needs to be wearing a hat right now. (laughs) He's trying to protect his head. He's still got a hammer in that skull of his. Right. So I think. Um, Does you my know, hat look weird? Well, it's not. You should leave, leave it on. You should leave it on. What if we cut the handle off ah, the hammer? No, you should just leave the hat on. There. Okay. Um, but yeah, tugging on the heartstrings. Cancer survivors were there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just things like that. He had this big pie in the sky. You know, as usual, Joe Biden. There's nothing we can't do in the United States, and he did that kind of at the end. But I think on the specifics, I think he nailed a lot of it. And again. Being able to own those booers, especially only a few weeks after Kevin McCarthy barely, barely got into that seat behind Biden. I think it makes the Republicans look worse. And then there's Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who did the well, let's get to response and good grief. My God, I have thoughts on that. Let's get to that in one second. Fernando, to to your point, Ben, I actually think that he did connect with his his base, especially black and Hispanic workers, because, again, we're seeing as a black as a POC. I pay attention to these things. We're seeing record low unemployment for black and Hispanic workers. The jobs he created, 800,000 manufacturing jobs. Who usually works those jobs? Right. POC. So I, I do see it. And then gas prices. He talked about gas prices being back. Get, to Yeah, getting them under control. So, that's a victory. So all of those things to me look like great victories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. So, and especially in two years, you know, exa- I mean, again, it's just they and now they have the Senate by one more seat. Um, so you wonder, I just don't know what the House Republicans plan is from here. You got your your wackos like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Boebert during their booing. And then you got some people just want to get shit done. Right. So I think Kevin McCarthy, and the if you look at that footage again of, of the entire speech, the most uncomfortable person in the room is, is Kevin him. McCarthy. Oh, his right. face the well, whole time. He even had to shush. You could see his lips. Like he didn't shush, shush, like audibly, but he like made the shushy noise with his lips at yeah. one point when they were yelling. So it reminds me when you're a father, like my father was, and you're like, when is Ben going to scream something at this funeral? <laughs> Please, I'm Liar! nervous. You lie. You lie. She's alive. <laughs> I smelled her. She's alive. <laughs> well, at the very least, uh, she always smelled like formaldehyde. Oh. So you mentioned Mitt Romney. One of the more, again, theatrical moments was Mitt Romney meeting with mm-hmm. Santos, George right. Santos. Oh, funny. Um, <laughs> of course, the uh, Qatar. Oh, most beautiful drag queen in Brazil, oh, uh, Devolder. De- <laughs> now, Mitt Romney, obviously a senator, what was so interesting with Santos, a member of the House, he was standing there in line to shake hands with all of the most powerful people in the room. This got Mitt Romney a little upset. Mitt Romney said he should be in the back row. Of course, he's now under officially he's officially under investigation with the House Ethics Committee, which if they really did their job, they would be quite busy. Uh, That would probably um, keep, they could probably be kept busy for the next millennia (laughs) if they actually did everything that they could be doing to make sure that the House um, operates ethically. But nonetheless, he said, Santos, you should be in the back row. He then he said uh, that uh, he's a liar, a con man, and should not be here whatsoever. Wow. What did he officially say to him? It was... um, you don't belong here. 
You don't Whoa. belong here. But it was also, he called him something. A sick puppy. He called him a sick puppy. <laughs> there Mitt you go. Romney called George Santos a sick puppy? He called him a sick That's puppy. That's funny. <laughs> That's funny because Santos actually said he was raising money for sick puppies. And then that was also a lie. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, when it comes to Santos, one of the areas that the House Ethics Committee is investigating is his fundraising and also his spending. Now, interestingly enough, former Representative Lee Zeldin announced on Monday that he was starting a new political action committee with Nancy Marks. Now, Zeldin, he said this at the New York State Conservative Party Political Action Conference in Albany, which is very exciting. However, interestingly enough, much like Santa Zeldin, also has numerous expenditures uh, costing exactly $199.99, which is just a penny below the $200 threshold for the FEC itemization. It's statistically implausible and a sign of deliberately falsifying reports. So these people can't figure out a way not to cheat and not to lie, and Mm. they do it in the most obvious way. Ways. So for those that don't know, again, you have to file, you have to let people know what you're purchasing mm-hmm. over $200. So if everything is $199.99, theoretically, you don't got to tell anybody, yeah. but it's just a little bit obvious. At least make one thing $169.69. Yeah, have fun with it. Yeah, have absolutely. fun with it. So Santos's team has amended several campaign finance documents last month to show that a $500,000 loan he made to his 2022 congressional campaign didn't come from personal funds of the candidate. The flurry of activity by the campaign came as lawyer Thomas Detwaller, the man whom Santos campaigned listed as its new treasurer last month, said that Santos's team named him treasurer without his authorization. Oh, dear. So they say, we didn't have any control over this. It was this guy, Detwaller. But then he was like, you didn't tell me I was your treasurer, (laughs) which again, all fingers point back to Santos which is probably why his term won't uh, last too much longer. But it just goes to show you uh, Lee Zeldin doing the same thing, that these things are uh, systemic and these pieces of shit will do anything to skirt the smallest amount of laws so they can have the most amount of money. I'm Mm. not going to condone Santos in any way. I'm not going to encourage him or anything, but I do like what he posted on Twitter after the speech. What did he say? He told Mitt Romney, Hey, Mitt Romney, just a reminder that you will never be president. So, so she clapped back, y'all. She clapped back. She wow, did Katara claps back. <laughs> Katara's revenge. But anyway, <laughs> speaking of uh, beautiful people in dresses, let's discuss Sarah Huckabee <laughs> Sanders. <laughs> oh, here we go. The Repub- She's my gal. She's my gal. Um, re- oh, the Republican boy. response. Uh, what did you guys think? Obviously, it's never going to. The Republicans or Democrats. The response is basically you're set up to fail. Right. Uh, there was a, the Kennedy guy that did it. I think it was Joe Kennedy after oh, Donald right, Trump. Right. Spoke, Joe Kennedy the third. And yes. then he had a bunch of saliva Lip, he on had his lip gloss. <laughs> he had something he had glossy going. lips. And then you had Marco Rubio and he had to he drink had water, water in the middle of the whole thing. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, of course, a culture warrior for the right. She's the youngest governor. She's 40 years old. 40 she's years our old. age, for crying out loud. Youngest governor in the country. Republicans say, oh, she's a good choice. Obviously a Trump Republican, mm-hmm. but also not Donald Trump himself. So right. perhaps she's able to get some of the Glenn Youngkin, Brian Kemp like conservatives. Yeah. And then, of course, the Trumpers to come together. Uh, did she make any salient points? Um, I I watched it. And uh, again, the whole thing to me is just it. 
is a waking nightmare. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a waking nightmare that she's governor, first yeah. of all. Um, to your point, again, she walks that line of she worked for Trump, but she's not Trump. So it's kind of a uniting Republican figure to make that speech, which is probably for the best for them. But yeah, the response to the State of the Union, Democrat, Republican, is usually just a word salad. She's got to hit all her well, points. Well, she hit the culture war, though. The she was just going war. nuts with the culture mm-hmm. war. And it's I was talking on uh, on Hail Yourself with uh, Lillian. She's transitioning. And uh, transgender folks are the new immigrants uh, as far as uh, right. in the political the crosshairs. Right. Yeah. It's going to be transgender, all of this nonsense. Um, and then they're going to falsely say it's about the children. None of this is about children. Right. These people don't care. Most of these people live off the blood of the youth to stay alive. So as far as that angle goes, is the culture war enough for the Republicans to take the presidency back in 2024? Because I'm sick and tired of it already. Right. I I also think that it's a it's a losing stance, pretty much, is what I'm thinking in terms of the culture war and, and, and education. I mean, we saw it work with Glenn Youngkin, right, um, yeah. and in 2021. But in terms of what DeSantis is doing, and obviously, as we talked about in this show with Sarah Huckabee Sanders is doing it within her first week of office, mm-hmm. right? Banning drag shows. Right. Now I know why she hates drag queens so much. Yep. They look better than she does. Whoa. Folks, you can't cancel me. You can't cancel the truth. Wow. <laughs> but it really is just, again, a word salad that she spat out. But I did text you guys. I think from a Republican standpoint, maybe that some of these words hit, maybe some of this messaging hits. And she could. I mean, the fact is, she worked for Trump. She was in the White House. Now she's a governor. I think we talked about Nikki Haley trying to do this, but Sarah Huckabee Sanders might be trying to tee herself up, whether for a VP slot on Trump's ticket or maybe something along uh, down the line. But she certainly is now a player in the Republican game. That's how I felt about Biden the whole speech. I felt like he was really setting it up to say, I'm going to run again. He didn't say it, but I really felt that he was. That was a run again speech. Yeah, like he was laying down the framework. And so I think Sarah Huckabee was kind of just trying to be the antithesis to that. Right. Because she's young. He's old. Exactly. He's a man. She's a woman. And so I felt it was all, you know, the culture world, the Latinx, the decades long war, all the stuff she was talking about. It was just just hype. It was yeah. get those likes, get those clicks. It yes. was nothing yeah. of substance whatsoever. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Interestingly enough, when it comes to predatory behavior, this is something that the right wants to claim uh, that they have a holier-than-thou record. Sure. I'm never, ever not. going to Epstein Island or hanging out with underage people whatsoever. By the way, Matt Gates just got a brand new position on a very powerful board in the House of Representatives. Donald Trump has taken this, they're all pedophiles approach, 
<laughs> in attacking Ron DeSantis. Uh-oh, Interesting. here we go. So Donald Trump reposted a, a photo of Florida Governor DeSantis in his 20s, allegedly hanging out with high school seniors. <laughs> Oops. The former president wrote uh, of, above the picture of Ron, perhaps Ron, hanging out with, uh, with high school seniors. That's not Ron, is it? Uh-oh, <laughs> is it? So it looks like Donald Trump, once again, is going to um, go all in play nasty in the mud mm-hmm. piggy mm-hmm. politics yeah. and try to attack DeSantis as a creep, as someone who is a predator on high school girls. And again, the irony of Donald Trump doing this is that he used to walk in the locker rooms, in the yes. changing rooms yes. of the Miss Teen USA pageant right? and used to um, actively talk about wanting to put his penis inside of his daughter. His own daughter. So, yes, um, yes. what do you guys think as far as the culture war goes? Because we also have Ron DeSantis doing something I find to be quite interesting in that he has criticized Disney and now he has basically taken over Disney. He's They no longer have their corporate kingdom. And this is like, according to Ron DeSantis, he says there's a new sheriff in town. Mm. And he says, ironically enough, Disney... It's about time they pay their fair share in taxes. Sounds a lot like Elizabeth Warren to me. (laughs) DeSantis is talking taxes. He's talking more tangible policy points, I suppose, whether you Mm -hmm. agree or disagree. And then obviously the culture war shit. Right, right. Without a doubt. He's got both prongs coming in hot, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, banning uh, African-American studies. So on. the, the gay stuff. We all know that we've been covering that for a long time. But. DeSantis now going after Disney, going after corporations, saying they should pay their fair share. And then Trump's attack being like, well, he hung out with high school seniors. Right. Are people even going to like what DeSantis is doing right now with Disney if they're fiscally conservative folks? Uh, Well, that's a great question. I mean, obviously, the woke agenda, that's I assume is the guys that DeSantis is going after them for, not just for pay your fair share type deal, but. He's going after woke corporations, Well, this is what DeSantis said. This was a press conference this week. He says, Disney is going to pay its debt. What I said really for the last six to nine months, (laughs) six to nine, (laughs) is Disney is no longer going to have self-government. They're Mm. not going to have their own government. Mm. Disney is going to pay their fair share of taxes and honor their debts. And that's exactly what this proposal, that's exactly what this legislation will do. Hmm. Uh, He goes on to say, a lot of folks in the media were saying, oh my gosh, Disney's actually going to pay less taxes and Floridians are going to pay more taxes. They were saying, the governor added, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. This puts that to bed and uh, so those debts will be honored. Hmm. So, it's an interesting move by DeSantis because yes. I think there's some bipartisan support where it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, why is Disney getting off scot-free? I agree. They make a lot of freaking money. I agree. The flip side of that is they also employ a lot of people. Exactly. Right. So is this going to have a net positive for uh, the economy of Florida and then also the idea of corporate autonomy? Mm. Now, granted. Disney has a unique carve out where they get to self-govern because Florida wanted them so badly. Right, right, right. They were like, come to Florida. You can have everything you want. You can have your own world. You're your own government. But now DeSantis is unraveling that. And you wonder, does Disney just jump ship 
Oh, Go to like Austin, Texas, like everybody else. It's coming wow. to Las Vegas. Prove me wrong in two, three years, by the way. Oh. Las Vegas, perhaps. Oh. Yeah. Boop, 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 boop. Fernando prediction. <laughs> so does some people on the right that might be more leaning towards a corporate uh, oligarchy, do they look at DeSantis and say, well, this guy's a rhino. He's a Republican in name only. He actually wants corporate. Um, he's, he's saying the same thing about corporations. As Elizabeth Warren, as he wants corporations to, quote, pay their fair share. Right. And in fact, Joe Biden also said that last night in the State of the Union. Yes, he speech, did. Which is quite multiple times. Mm-hmm. So this about, is an interesting. These these guys are cuddling on an interesting couch here. Yes. Oh, very much. It, well, you were going to want to stay clear of that mm. couch, especially if you're a 13 year old girl. Hey, apparently. boys, you want some snacks? This is Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I've got some little <laughs> smokies for you. Oh, my God. Get mm. her out of here. Little smokies. Oh, my God. Yeah, I think. You know, if we've learned one thing about Ron DeSantis is that he knows how to read a poll, uh, read yes. some numbers, yes. and sees that this idea will be popular. And again, talking about bipartisan support. I mean, even that line at Joe Biden's speech the other night got bipartisan support mm-hmm. from just like he he read out loud these companies making $200 billion in profit and they're paying $0 in taxes. They're paying less in taxes than a nurse or a firefighter right. and so on. Those kind of things do hit. So They do. I, and, I, and that's that's a line he said before. Right. Yes. Right. And and so I think that Ron DeSantis, again, he can kind of squeeze it under his going against the woke agenda, work, woke corporations. Exactly. He can kind of fit it under that, but then he can also file it into standing up for the working class, taxpayers, a good steward of taxpayer dollars, things like that. So it's an interesting take. But back, it's fascinating. Back to your other question about Trump going after DeSantis. On this grooming, this right. the grooming stuff. Al- yeah. Yeah, accusations. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm, I, I am, I'm here for that. I, I'm, Trump <laughs> and DeSantis, they can go at it all they want. When DeSantis said there was a new sheriff in town, he was talking about arresting all the beautiful girls, <laughs> all the beautiful girls Uh-oh. at Disney. Look out, Minnie. She's wearing a skirt. <laughs> Trump's playing to his strengths in terms of that that Q mentality that I am the protector, I am actually the savior. Right. Because again, he, even though he is actually, he has been recorded saying these horrible things about teenage girls people his fan base still believe that he's there as the inside man he's He's draining the swamp so that's my thought on that my thoughts on the what desantis has talked about uh disney is this couldn't happen in any other political climate this could not happen in any other cultural climate but right now disney is woke and florida is anti-woke so he's he picked the biggest target yeah he picked the biggest target he could pick mm-hmm. without losing everyone in the in in the can, process. Can right. some, why is Disney woke? What what has made them woke? They were doing uh, some pro, a Black Little Mermaid. No, the pro gay stuff. The pro like they have it's a, Disney. World. They have a lot of people who work there who are gay, and they put out a statement during the whole "Don't Say Gay" yeah. controversy and everything. So Disney pushed back on Ron DeSantis's anti woke agenda. Hence, earning Ron DeSantis's anti woke. Scorn in his ire. So it's interesting. So right now, um, Florida governor on Monday announced that he was taking control of the five member Reedy Creek board. It's called Reedy Creek. It's 40 square miles in Florida. He's going to take that uh, five member. They're going to be dissolved. This is according to DeSantis's deputy press secretary. Uh, He says Florida is dissolving the corporate kingdom and beginning a new era of accountability and transparency. Right now, they say that the company must pay $700 million in debt 
and begin paying taxes. Wow. So they're so talking about back debt too. Back, back taxes. Seven hundred million and begin to pay taxes. And of course, I'm thinking, why not? Why shouldn't we they? all pay taxes? Yeah. And of course, uh, Disney, they have issues with how they treat their employees. Mm-hmm. They'll fire you with the drop of a freaking hat. So this might be a strange bipartisan winner for DeSantis. But then the irony of all of it is he's attacking them because Disney stood up to him for the atrocious don't say gay bill mm-hmm. and the um, getting away of a, a getting rid of, you know, uh, black studies, uh, just so on and so forth. Right. Uh, you know, the carving out of uh, minority districts. Right. This is what Disney was upset about. But now the ramification is Disney's going to have to pay more taxes which could theoretically help the people of Florida. And, so and, I don't, it's like one of these, is it like a happy accident? If like, I, it's, mm-hmm. it's very bizarre. I, I, okay. I agree. It is almost like a happy accident because the first part, it's been long enough that Disney did all these things to DeSantis, that if you're his, if you're a fan, if you're a Republican if, and you just love DeSantis, you're just going with what he's saying. Yeah, they should pay taxes mm. forgetting w- what the motivation for it. Right. right. But I mean, DeSantis Republicans would probably say or Trump Republicans or Republicans in general, the the, um, you know, the uh, uh, North. What is it? North. Norquist. Uh, Norquist. Yes. The, yeah. the Grover Norquist wing of the Republican Party would say, what are you doing? Right. 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 We got to let the Disney is provide jobs, fun vacation for families. Right. So they would be against it. But right. if you sit there and go, corporations are destroying America, their wokeness is destroying America, all of it, it fits the narrative. We should make Disney pay their tax. They, okay. I, okay it's very that interesting. Being, that yeah. being aside, yeah. Disney should be paying taxes and they should not have any back debt. Well, that's that's <laughs> what's so fascinating. It's like, like you said, it's a weird cuddle couch of Ron DeSantis, Joe Biden, you know, basically and saying, now. and now <laughs> Fernando's oh, on yeah. there as well. And there's probably some 13-year-old girls, but don't worry, you're in the clear, I'm Fernando. Staying away you're from staying them. away from them. And so they're basically agreeing on companies, corporations, giant corporations paying mm-hmm. their fair share. And then, yes, then you have your Grover Norquist of the Republican Party, the conservative wing saying, hold on. So I wonder how that will work for Ron DeSantis, A, in the primary, yeah. and B, if he gets through the primary in the general election. I think it helps more in a general than a Republican primary. Ah, but then Joe Pop's going to go up there and be like, hold on there, pal. Hold on. I've been I've been taxing corporations since you were a wee baby boy. Mm, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's a really interesting turn of events, and obviously we'll have a lot to follow. All right. Well, let's move on from Florida. Let's move on uh, from politics in a uh, tangible sense. Let's go on to human beings that are um, politically absolutely lost. Brandon Russell and Sarah Clendaniel, these are two white supremacists. Uh, Apparently, they decided that they wanted to attack the Maryland power grid. This was a plot. It was racially motivated. Two people, uh, these are, it's a neo-Nazi leader. One of them, uh, they were arrested for planning an attack on a power grid in what's being called a racially motivated attack. Uh, Clen Daniel is 34 and Russell is tw- uh, 27. So she got herself a younger man. <laughs> this is according to Clen Daniel. If we can pull off what I'm hoping, this would be legendary. Ugh. Oh, well, so many people would have no power. <laughs> uh, wow. How legendary. Mm. The According to the U.S. Census Bureau, about 62% of Baltimore's population is black. Uh, this is a quote. Uh, they say the accused were not just talking about taking steps to fulfill their threats and further their extremist goals. 
Russell provided instructions and location information. He described attacking the power transformers as, quote, the greatest thing somebody can do. Oh, my God. So what a bizarre, another strange turn of events. Yeah. Where now you have white nationalists or white supremacists, because obviously they're not nationalists. They don't seem to care about the U.S. power. Absolutely not. Neo-Nazis, domestic terrorists coming from within. Yeah. Can you imagine if this was uh, anybody else? Any other group of people, because I haven't seen this story really covered that closely. Absolutely. And if they had a different accent with a with different headwear, I, I just wonder if we wouldn't have another war on terror. Mm. And of course, when it comes to domestic terrorism, you know, white supremacist neo-Nazi terrorism is on the rise. And big time. Not just this story, Ben. This is what the third story we have covered at on right. this podcast alone right. of people attacking a power grid to stop the blacks, to stop the drags, to stop the gays. Right, right. This is it's happened in Washington State. It's happened in North Carolina. That was the most recent biggest story in terms of coverage. Uh, ben, to your point, that was about 40,000 people lost power in North Carolina mm-hmm. over a, a power grid attack. And it was all because of a drag show happening in the nearby town. Right. And it was, again, very suspicious comments from certain white supremacists who are in the area, Q people, people who are there in January 6th. So this is, again, something must be happening in all those chat rooms that the FBI is watching. But <laughs> 8chan. <laughs> yeah, 8chan, 9chan, wherever chan we're on now. Well, certainly there's a lot of double chins involved here. <laughs> uh, tweet it. According to NBC News, Russell is a part of the neo-Nazi hate group Adam and Waffen. Adam and Waffen? It's what? the Adam and Waffen division. And according to the Southern Poverty Law Center, they say... AWD or Adam and Waffen Division is, quote, a series of terror cells that work towards civilization collapse. Uh, they say its followers fetishize violence as the only vehicle for apocalyptic racial cleansing. Oh, grief. Uh, so it's extreme, uh, to say the least. Mm. According to a news release, uh, these two people are now being held, but they're not the first ones. Um, their Maryland power grid attack comes just over a month after authorities announced two other Washington men, Matthew Greenwood and Jeremy Crahan, were charged with conspiracy to damage energy facilities. According to a news release, Greenwood 32 and Crahan 40 allegedly caused $3 million Oof. of damage in Pulleyup, wow. Washington. Pulley the, na- the names are interesting. <laughs> not, the names are interesting. Pulleyup. But the ages are interesting to me. Yes. 27 to 40 hmm. is the ages here. So it's millennials. Mm-hmm. These are yeah. not. Right. I, I don't know. There's something about the ages where these people ain't dying anytime soon. Right. And it seems as if there's a brand new resurgence in, you know, neo-Nazi white supremacist thought. Oh, yeah. Big time. That's coming from people who I don't know when I think of a 27 year old, I just. I think that they're kind of like, I'm like, I'm assuming they're kind of cool, but I, that's why everyone's like, we have faith for the future. I don't know if I do trust the younger generation. Right. Yeah. I'm not sure if I do. That's the thing. The amount of Trump fucking hats I saw in high school kids when I was traveling this country was alarming enough. Right. 2016, 2020. I mean, I remember watching January 6th and it was like the night of the living boomers and it was like, whoa, it's boomer attack. (laughs) But yeah, now the, the ages are starting to actually come out and those who are convicted and people who are now plotting other atrocities. And I mean, you, you, we talk about with the school shootings, it's 18 yeah. year old white boys who just, I don't know, completely well, disconnected the, from reality. Obviously, those are the ones that make the press. And then we see all the violence, you know, across the board as well, which is horrific. Most violence occurs within 
groups of, of similar yeah. uh, looking folks. Right. So I just, there's something going on. There is. And uh, it's really uh, very dangerous. And I just, this whole idea of taking out our power grids. Right. What the hell are they doing? What are they thinking? Also, Maryland's fucking freezing. Yeah, exactly. They want to kill people. Oh, exactly. The, the North Carolina power grid attack happened, you know, during the bomb cyclone, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's freezing temperatures. 40,000 people without power. This is a big deal. Also, if you're a white supremacist and you're like, oh, 62% of people that live there are black. Think about the 38% that are white. Uh, right. You're please, please, I can't hurt my white brother. Please, 38%. If there's just yeah. one white, if there's just one white, <laughs> we mean, cannot blow it up. It is It is troubling. Also, I mean, again, talking about the age of these folks, uh, there was just a, a big scandal that broke in Ohio, Upper Sandusky, Ohio, on a neo-Nazi education homeschool network. Yeah, I saw that. This freaking couple out of Upper Sandusky, also, Ohio. Also, it's not a homeschool. It's called a school if you have a network of schools. If you have <laughs> sure. a network of homeschools, called a school and school. Well, with Ohio, the homeschool regulations are very lax. So mm-hmm. basically, this kind of snuck under the radar. It's basically two parents who slowly built over the uh, network, the social network Telegram, mm-hmm. a 2,500-person group of teaching kids neo-Nazi slogans, teaching about the Nazis, literally teaching them phrases, uh, like the German phrases you were trying to say earlier. (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's insane, A, that we're at this point where this is being regurgitated. But then to your point about how does this keep going from generation to generation, now you got 2,500 some kids in Ohio learning that neo-Nazis are pretty cool. And now what's going to happen to those? Everything that's old is new again. Oh, it's weird. And also, the Nazis fucking sucked, man. They lost real bad. I just want to clarify that. <laughs> For anyone who hasn't heard, World War II, we own their asses. Nobody was happy. I mean, if you want to, if you're listening to Joe Biden and you don't like what he's saying, and then he's saying uh, blacks and uh, African-Americans and Latinos have jobs, but you're at home and you're white and you don't have a job, that, you know, that that perverts your Go brain. Go get a job. You know, but that, but I, I, I don't agree with what they're thinking. But I can understand where they get to that logic, unfortunately, because of the narrative that's been pushed, yeah, right. because of that that woke, anti-woke agenda. That narrative says the reason you don't have a job, the reason you're going through this is because a Mexican took your job or a black guy or a trans person took your job. Right. Well, that's what they right. That's what they're being told. And right. obviously we had four years of Trump being president where ideas like this were heightened. A lot right. of it was brought out of the dark and yeah. put into the light. But then you also had what, two or three years of the pandemic where people are isolated to these echo chambers on the yeah, internet. Yes. And then they are looking for a way out and they are looking for someone to understand them or give them some type of different way of thinking. You got to work hard. So you they have are, to work to get a job and you got to work when you get a job. They're young, but I'm not shocked that they're young. Yeah. Does that no, make it's, sense? No, it's yeah. not shocking. It's yeah. just, it's really, a, it's just kind of fascinating. Um, 27 to 40 in that group, leave the power grids alone. Uh, you're just going to end up hurting people and no one's going to agree with you. Not that they ever should anyway. Right. All right. Just lastly, and we'll continue this conversation um, when it comes to uh, voting rights and criminal justice reform as well. But just bringing this up, uh, California has a proposal that would reinstate prisoners voting rights. Yes. Uh, now, obviously, it's interesting talking about people uh, who are just, in, uh, you know, incarcerated people who are just trying to blow up the power grid. If they're incarcerated, do you want them to vote? But interestingly <laughs> enough, I don't know if it does um if it nullifies their constitutional right to vote. So right now, California, if this is approved, would join Maine, Vermont, and Washington, D.C., the District of Columbia, where felons never lose their right to vote. This is one of those areas where there's going to be people on the right that says, no, we can't have felons voting. They're going to vote Democrat. But I think in reality, uh, prisoners are quite 
broad yeah, in their belief bipartisan. system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm not sure if it is going to skew Democrat or Republican or if it'll lead to an interesting independent party, <laughs> the uh, the prisoner caucus. Oh, OK, but what do you guys think? Do you think that um, everyone who is incarcerated has the right to vote? This is according to uh, um, Isaac Bryan, who's an assembly member who brought this bill. He says democracy thrives when everybody has a chance to have their voice heard. It needs two thirds of each chamber in order to pass. That's 120,000 California residents that do technically deserve the right to vote mm. there. I mean, especially as if when you're a prisoner, you're part of the system and pre- these are predominantly people of color. These are predominantly black and Hispanic men. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important that they retain the ability to vote because again, these are the people that are most affected by these policies. Right. They tend to be yeah. or low income. So realistically, taking away their ability to vote is basically kind of doctoring an election right. because you're if, if you don't want someone to vote, you go put them in jail. They can't vote anymore. Well, that, and that's a very solid point. I think it has a lot of credence. Flip side. What if you are someone who was raped? What if you are someone that was, you know, a family member was killed by one of these people? What kind of policy are they going to be putting forward or what kind of things are they going to be voting for as well? Right. So I wonder if there's a way to carve out violent crime versus nonviolent or I I just I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like people would be like, well, that was you lost your right because you did such an egregious thing against society. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I totally agree with you, Fernando, that these people are on the front lines of the, you know, weaponization of the police forces, of the criminal justice being literally used as KFC uses chickens, literally used for profit. Right. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, by Mm -hmm. state prisons, private prisons. For profit prisons. For profit prisons. And not to mention all the goods that prisoners make. Uh, I mean, hell, in uh, California, I believe it's since been rescinded, but there's a new movie out where they talk about firefighter TV show, whatever. Mm -hmm. They talk about prisoner firefighters. Right, right, right. And, um... So prisoners have been fighting forest fires here for a long time. And don't they shouldn't they have the right to vote? So I I feel that as well. And uh, what do you think, Trev? Well, it's a very interesting question that takes on the criminal justice system as a whole. Um, Obviously, part of the uh, the idea of ending the death penalty kind of goes in with this. There are many states have been trying to especially if you get out of prison and you're fully rehabbed. Um, you know, maybe not so much to your point. It, it, like, where do you limit? Well, where are, do you draw the line? There are 21 states right now. So after you serve your time, you get your voting rights back mm-hmm. when once you're no longer when incarcerated. Yes. Right. Okay. So, right. So maybe, sure, maybe there needs to be a line in there somewhere. But again, to Fernando's point, right. a lot of these people are in jail because of laws that were created to put them in jail. Exactly. To not let them vote. There's a great documentary of a couple years ago now called 13, mm-hmm. which is all about that loophole in the 13th Amendment that slavery shall no longer be allowed in this country unless mm-hmm. it is for time served, for prisoners, for punishment, things yes. like that. And to that, that's where a lot of the southern states, obviously, and northern states created laws that would mm-hmm. put black and brown people in jail uh, more so. So I agree with you, uh, Fernando. I mean, this is an idea that I think it's, it's time has come as we talk about criminal justice uh, reform as a whole. And I think it's basically about, especially for those people who like shouldn't be in jail for drug crimes and things like that. Yeah. Like, sure. I think that's a good way to give them back their rights that were taken away from them unfairly. But then to your question, Ben, should there be a red line, the violent, uh, you know, the violent offenders right. and things like that? Um. Yeah. Then you talk perhaps about kind they, of a slippery slope. Yes. Perhaps you tie it to 
what they're doing in prison, maybe perhaps make it part of the rehabilitation process. Mm. Sure, it um, could be something to dangle in front of people. So it's like, yeah, you got, a, you got a good record, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you you mm -hmm. have reinstalled your right to vote and perhaps civics classes. I'm like fantasizing about a world where we <laughs> teach anybody anything <laughs> right. in our prisons. Sure. Um, but yes, I think overall, I am in favor of it. Right. Um, and obviously there's always going to be those those issues. Right. Um, which might, you know, get some opposition. And I understand that. Um, but my one thing also is what do they vote in the district? Does their vote count then in the district where they're detained? Where they're or, in the prison? Where they're in the prison. Mailing so there's address. a lot to sort out there. Yeah. That yeah. was um, my point that I was going to make. So we let all these prisoners vote. You can build a bunch of prisons in your state bring them into your state, and yeah. now you have a bunch of voters. The logistics of it. Is, <laughs> yeah. Know, well, right. And that's why Republicans and conservatives are usually so against it, because they see, okay, there's a block number of, all right, like in Ohio, we have 50,000 prisoners total in the entire How many state, of them are black and brown. Right, and exactly. how many of them are going to go vote Democrat. But then yeah. it's like, well, then you just gerrymander the prison, and then that side of the prison's <laughs> voting for Jim Jordan, and that side <laughs> is voting for uh, yeah. whoever the hell. Well, and also... Another reason why I, overall I support it is because then perhaps we'll see something proactive on prison reform and treating exactly. people right. with a little you bit of humanity. Votes. Yes, because it's some, most, most right. people do get out. Right. And uh, after all of the uh, emotional and psychological and uh, just physical abuse that they go on, I don't think they come out much better. Sure. I think at best they want to never go back. <laughs> right. And then they are like, I'm never doing whatever that was because I can't go back there. But I don't think they're like, because I was there, I know how to do this. Right. Sure, sure. And again, you got to think the the actual, like the real violent offenders, uh, the rapists, the murderers, they're actually a minority of the prison right. population itself. So their votes will barely even matter. Although mm -hmm. it would be interesting to see who some of these murderers vote for. I think they'd vote for Katara. Katara. <laughs> she was so entertaining last time she was here visiting the prison. <laughs> <laughs> Band drag shows in prisons. <laughs> oh, Sarah, you're no fun. I've said it before. You want any little smoke, honey? Uh -huh. Get, bring those Smokies over here, Huckabee. All right, everyone. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the debate. Uh, today, um, I'm just going to say good, good episode. Uh, thank, you. Thank, thank you all so much for supporting the show. Thanks for supporting everything we do here at LPN. And anything else? You lie! You lie! Shoot it's down the fault. balloons. Shoot down the balloons. Oh, wow. All right, everyone. <laughs> hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is a message for anyone with high LDLC or bad cholesterol who has had or is at risk of having a cardiovascular adverse event. Merck is studying an investigational medication to see whether it may help lower the risk of future cardiovascular adverse events. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death worldwide. And in the United States alone, there are over 73 million people living with high LDLC. To learn about whether you may qualify, visit CoralReefStudies.com now. Again, that is C-O-R-A-L-R-E-E-F-S-T-U-D-I-E-S dot -E -E com.